Hey, everybody, want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Get Your Geek On podcast. I, as always, am your host, Charles Kiewatz. And you're Robert Dokes. And unfortunately, we're without Anthony today. He had a coworker get arrested at his job, so he had to fill in a shift. So we're going to make the best that we can here without a man down, but that doesn't mean we're out by any means. So we're going to get started this week with some hot headlines coming out from Hollywood. And starts off with a possibly we have a new James Bond. Looks like Tom Hiddleston is in final talks to be the new Bond for Sony, which I got to tell you, I'm totally on board for that. I'm on board with that. I, I think he's... What we've been missing out of the Daniel Craig Bond was that you didn't have that suaveness, so he had a lot of the brutality um, and the phys- physicality that you've all expected out of a James Bond movie, but now we get that suaveness back. And, and I think he's got the charisma factor, which you haven't really seen. Daniel Craig always came off as very cold mm-hmm. to me, which I'm not a big Bond guy anyway, but I think I would definitely check out some Tom Hiddleston, James Bond. I think he's great. He's young enough where you can carry on and do some great movies with him. I think he'd be the youngest Bond. I don't know about that one. I know Connery was young when he did it. He was young when he did it, but I think the the big, you know, they're always looking for different Bonds. I don't know if he, with Daniel Craig being kind of the muscular, beefy Bond, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Middleston does it because of the physicality. I'm also willing to see what you can really do with James Bond at this point that hasn't been done already. I mean... Let's be all honest. It's there's not a whole lot that you haven't seen him do. It's been what forty years of these movies. Yeah, forty years and a lot of rehash since they brought Blofeld back. Spoilers to those who have not uh, seen the last film. But uh, you know they they need to do something with the character, and it's nice to kind of bring this into continually kind of bring this into the modern age. Well, I think if there's going to be a way to revitalize the franchise, you go him. The other actor that's been associated with it is apparently Jamie Bell from Fantastic Four. I think he's a little too young. I think that it's not really going to fit, so I don't, I don't believe the hype mm-hmm. for that. Uh, more casting news coming out right now. It appears that uh, the 2018 Sony animated Spider-Man film, which I can't believe that they're actually making, will be Miles Morales-centered. So a little bit of a news break there. I mean, it, with the Marvel Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming coming out, we had all known that we were going to get a new Peter Parker, but the idea of bringing Miles Morales to the big screen in some format definitely excites me. I would personally love to see him live action, but I don't think we'll get that route anytime soon. What are your thoughts on the big budget version of Miles Morales? Uh, I, I think animated's a good way to go at this point in time. Um, I enjoyed the Ultimate Spider-Man series uh, using that. So The I question want... is, do they mean animated old school Disney or computer animation? It's probably going to be computer animation. I can't imagine them going old school animation for it. No, they're not going to go old school animation with that. They're going to go with computer animation. They're going to try to maybe tie in some of the Ultimates uh, stuff from Again, Brian Michael Bendis' run that we've talked about last week. And as we all know, this was Sweeps Week for TV. All the season finales wrapping up. Some great shows were renewed that we just want to run through real quick. As the Netflix Bill Burr show, F is for Family, finally picked up for season two. Modern Family picked up for a season eight. And then, of course, all of the Flareoverse, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, all picked up for additional seasons. So want to jump right into the meat of this week's show, and that is going to be DC's Rebirth and the Flash season finale. So I want to go ahead and give you a fair warning now. If you haven't watched the Flash finale and you haven't read DC's Rebirth, turn away now because these are highly spoiler-filled reviews. Uh, so I want to start right off the bat with this week's Flash finale. Talk about Eventful. I mean, Robert, were you t- did you watch Tuesday I, Night? You, I did, did watch Tuesday Night, and I also watched it again on Hulu. Um which I love Hulu. Can I just say that? Like, I've had it for like three weeks now, and it's amazing because it has all the shows that I love that Netflix doesn't. Like, yeah. all the Adult Swim stuff, all the FX stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Flash finale, basically, first of all, we got to see Zoom defeated. The whole team comes together to uh, defeat Zoom. Barry creates a time remnant of himself. 
Before we even do that, just in terms of that, how did you enjoy the fact that that episode started off? It was just like a pickup from last week. You kind of see Barry screaming as he watches his father die. I thought the emotion was amazing as far as Grant Gustin's part. Like, they definitely started off with a bang. I love the whole Zoom telling him, like, this is not going to be the last person I'm going to take from you. Like, and just the cold, calculated killer that we got to see Teddy Sears play as Zoom. Then I love that not even the morning time, they have the quick funeral, and then boom, Zoom challenges them to the race, which we all find out later in the episode is really an ulterior motive. He wants to destroy the rest of the multiverse using a Mercury Labs pulsar that was apparently built overnight because it was never mentioned at any point other than the season. One thing I kind of didn't like, though, is that they didn't touch on how Zoom was able to open up his own breaches, which I was I felt like that was kind of an important thing because they even mentioned over the course of the episode, this dude just punches open a breach. Nobody's like, how can he do it? Anything like that. Uh, one of the biggest reveals, obviously, was the man in the Iron Mask, yeah. which, as we all called here, was John Wesley's ship. Uh, what we didn't know is that he was the original Jay Garrick. There had been rumors we had thought he could be the original Flash. We didn't know, but he does turn out to be the Jay Garrick, so it's quite poetic that the original TV Flash now plays the original Flash. Uh, now, having interviewed John Wesley ship several times and getting to interview him again next month, uh, I definitely thought it is totally amazing to see him back in the Flash suit. I feel like the Jay Garrick costume that we saw his version of was much better than the Jay Garrick that we had seen Teddy Sears play. Yeah. Um, and then I love the the whole idea of the hat wasn't his, but he took it because Zoom took so much from him, so yeah. he's going to make the hat his own. And even just the scene when he's running the wells is through the thing where the hat is like lopsided on his head, just that typical Jay look. But one of the things I'm most excited about is they've confirmed by Legends of Tomorrow that we're going to get the Justice Society for those of you that don't know in the comics, Jay Garrick is the leader of the Justice Society. So I'm wondering if we already know he's going to play a huge role in season three, but I'm wondering if they're going to tie him over to Legends at all. I think it'd be a smart move. It would be a smart move. I, I, I think with this, with the season finale kind of left me with a lot of questions, um, especially some of the ones we're going to talk about at that ending uh, and how they're going to start. We'll proceeding. get into that in a few, but <laughs> and, and how they're going to talk about season three. But um, one of the things that really, the scenes that really stuck out to me was when they just basically darted Barry and were like, it's like yeah, you, I, I did not see that coming. Right, at it was all. like you, you think it's like, hey, Team Flash, and it's like. And the problem I had with the darting though is, season one Barry overcame that when he fights Oliver in the first Flash Arrow crossover. Yeah, Oliver darts him with like enough ketamine to take down like a hundred horses, and he just vibrates it out of his system almost instantaneously. So I was a little surprised to see that they took him down that quickly because that seems like something he'd be able to do. Uh, one thing that it, I, it was established is that he apparently has time control now down to a science since coming back from the Seed Force because he goes back to create the time remnant mm-hmm. and then he goes back again seamlessly to the end, which we'll get to. But I love that they, they seem to have mastered that portion of his power. Um, one of the greatest things, I think, in this episode was the birth of the Black Flash. I don't want to like launch too much into it, but that's a big deal for me because I feel like mm-hmm. that's something that sets up future storylines. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was disappointed with, if it's a small flaw, is not seeing Jesse or Wally use even a hint of speed. Uh, I think what we might see is with Flashpoint happening, which we'll get into, obviously, I think Wally might be a speedster. No, when, that, when that, 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 actually, that actually is a good way to look at it because we don't know, again, talking about the ending... All right, let's just get into it. So the ending is the setup of Flashpoint from the comics. Basically, Barry runs back in time and stops the reverse Flash from killing his mom on that famous night. Uh, Basically, he triggers a huge time ripple that has massive crossover events throughout the entire DC universe. We'll see how they can do it with writing with the characters that they don't have license to, the characters that they do have license to. But 
huge implications as far as the entire Flareoverse is concerned. I think this is how they're going to retcon uh, the Earths to be Supergirl included in their Earth. I think the fact that they've confirmed Jay Garrick will have a bigger role. I think Flash won't be Flash when we see him again. I think he won't have his powers, and Wally will be the Flash. Yeah. So I think that we'll see how that plays. I also think that they may have to team up with Reverse Flash at some point, but I definitely am looking forward to seeing more of Jay Garrick. Uh, I think that what they're going to be able to do with that character is pretty amazing. I think he'll have a big part to play in dealing with the consequences of the Flashpoint storyline. Yeah. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, the Flashpoint storyline in the comics is basically somewhat of what we saw in the show. Barry runs back in time to stop the reverse Flash from killing his mom. In doing so, he causes an entirely new timeline to form, one in which he is not the Flash, one in which Batman is not Bruce Wayne. Wayne. It is his father, Thomas Wayne. And the, the ironic of the moment where as Joe Chill killed a young Bruce in that alley, causing Thomas Wayne to become Batman and causing Martha Wayne to become the, the Joker, Joker, which I thought is such an amazing storyline and something I really hope that they get to play out on the show because uh, as I heard Kevin Smith talk about Gotham has a young Batman where they're dead the movies aren't doing anything with Martha and Thomas so I really really hope DC lets them say hey just run with it well let me ask you a question with this in terms of this if you watch the flower or what we call it, the arrow if you look at the arrow they tend to use a lot of the Batman storylines do you think and a lot of his villains and a lot of well, a lot of his villains but do you think that they go back with this with the flashpoint and do they make that uh, do they make Oliver's father, which they that's how it was on Earth too. Two. They mentioned in the flash. Yeah. I don't think they do that much. I don't. The Arrow finale was far disappointing. Like a lot of fans have jumped off the ship. I don't know what they can do with the Arrow side of it. But as far as the comic version, I mean, not having Superman, not having Wonder Woman, not having Green Lantern, I mean, that eliminates a lot of the key players. Not having Aquaman. I mean, one of the key points of the whole Flashpoint War is the Themyscarian-Atlantean War, yeah. where Wonder Woman and Aquaman are duking it. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they'll do to replace that. Well, I, I, mean, mean, you, I mean, it could be the League of Assassins. You well, could that's have... where folding in Jay Garrick comes yeah. in, too. And the reverse Flash has a huge part to play in the storyline of Flashpoint because of the fact that he was in the Speed Force when Barry changes things, so he was unaffected by the time ripples he's aware of all the changes that have been made and everything else like that but basically everybody is just this weird darker version of themselves uh they did make a dc animated movie the flashpoint paradox which, which was seen, amazing which, which was really really and one good. of the moments why i really really wish that dc had the batman rights for the flareoverse is the moment at the end of flashpoint where bruce gets the letter from his, his father. father like barry allen has thomas wayne write a letter he basically explains to him, on my earth, Bruce is the Batman, you're the one that was killed, and this is a touching moment where he gets this letter from his father telling him, like, I know what you've grown up to be, I'm proud of you, this and that. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on them not having these key characters as far as what the writers are going to do? I have no skepticism. I think the writers have not let us down yet. So They haven't let us down, and I think one of the things that uh, what, it's, what the internet has been saying about, uh, especially with Arrow this past season, is when, I guess, Jeff Johns are, started to work on Legends of Tomorrow and that kind of took away from the plot of of Arrow this season, or took away from the last story. They get him back, hopefully, uh, in you know they get him back because he's going to be working full time on this one. But he's also running a lot of stuff for DC Entertainment, uh, which is going to be good. But I think what we're going to see is I I, I don't know if it's going to be Crisis on Infinite Earth. I I'm really really want to see how they're going to do this four part, uh, this four show. Because they have to, they have a lot of stuff that they need to cover. We have to introduce a villain for Legends and a new cast for Legends. You have to 
established. So you got to figure the the cross will be in December, so we'll be probably eight to nine episodes into the Flash. I kind of see them doing this as a twenty three hour flat. Like I don't think Flashpoint ends until like the last two or three episodes of season three. I think that you have an entire season to explore all the twisted versions of the timeline and all the different characteristics to delve deep. I don't see this being one of those things where it's like three episodes and it's resolved. Whereas like the singularity in season one that was wrapped up in the first two minutes of the finale. Thing is like oh you know it's like Ronnie's dead. Oops, that's and that's it. the thing. Now that that brings back the possibility of characters like Eddie Thawne yes. being with Iris. It brings back the possibility of Robbie Amell. Yes. It brings back the possibility of this version of Killer Frost. Who knows what we have with Vibe and this and that. I think there's a possibility Vibe is unaffected. Because of the fact that he has the dimensional breaches and is aware of all these changes, I think that he may be able to pick up on something. Because you got to figure, if Barry isn't the Flash when season three starts, which is what I think is going to happen, I think going back and changing that and making his mother live will have the ripple effect where in the comics where he's no longer the Flash. He has to recreate the accident that causes this. Which, that's the other thing. I don't know that they'll go that route because they already had him recreate the accident this season. So I don't know if they do that twice. I don't see them playing that up. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because it's like, how do you, how are you going to do this? Um, because they did do the, they did do the experiment like we talked about. Um, I do like the idea what you just suggested of Wally because that that brings in Wally West into the situ into the greater picture. Um, and Jesse Quick. And Jesse Quick. I mean, the way I feel that they're going to do this in the third season because I and we talked about this before we started recording was that. You know, Jay Garrett going to Earth 2, I don't know if it's going to affect their timeline. I don't, because it's a, it's a completely different universe. Right. Uh, and so I don't, I, I think how Jay Garrett comes in to season three is it's like, hey, where's Barry? And they're going to be like, Barry who? Well, there's the other thing. If he's not the Flash, you do have the Flashpoint paradox, because if he doesn't have his powers, he's stuck in a time mm. where he exists as a young man. And the current version of himself. I mean, that also brings in Harrison Wells never dies because Thawne never kills Kills him. I mean, the the ramifications are wide-reaching here because basically what they did is they canceled out the past two seasons of this show. The Barry that we have come to know and the Mm. Barry that we have seen grow over two seasons no longer exists. Exactly. Because you see once he stops his mother from being saved, the Barry in season one that runs back and hides behind the door, you see him have this just look of relief that like, oh my god, my mom is alive, but then he fades out of existence. So basically that timeline has been completely wiped clean. Everything you've seen from The Flash, this is a complete retcon, which I love for the ideas of bringing Supergirl and things like that into the show, but it also scares me because I've come to know and love this version of these characters for two seasons. I mean, is Team Flash still what it is? Is Pied Piper back in play? Who knows? I mean, what well, world does Wells have? Let's look at all this also just for the Flareverse in general. Um, they killed off Katie Cassidy. Does I don't, that mean that Katie Cassidy is not going to be back? And that's the thing is you have to find a way to have some ramifications of this for Arrow, but Arrow has been so disappointing. And with them heading, is this... Season three or season four of Arrow? No, this is... Uh, this was season four, I believe, right? Because yeah. they only have five years of flashbacks. Like, Arrow was only ever set to go for five seasons because yeah. you have the five years of flashbacks that will be caught up this year. Maybe that's their their write-out out of this as the Flashpoint changes his thing, so now they can go for their seasons. Yeah, but they, I don't have high hopes for the Arrow side of things. Supergirl, I'm really, really excited to see them bring into yeah. this universe, especially now that she'll be Earth-1. I mean, the chem- I would love to see a romantic storyline between Barry and Supergirl. I think that their chemistry was amazing. 
the idea of not having to hide that part of yourself from somebody that gets the superhuman side of you and everything yeah. else like that is amazing. And just the chemistry of Gant Gustin and Melissa Benoist was palpable. Like, you could literally tell on screen how well they got along. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. It kind of sucks that we have to wait till October to get these answers. Hopefully, John Wesley Shipp can give me a little bit of something when we interview him next month. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how amazing was it? I don't know if you watched the 90s Flash at all when it was on. No, I, I did. I never really caught it that much. I was It was an occasional show for me. But, I mean, to see him suit up again was just it such— was, It was really nice because I remember that as a kid. Or I was because— uh, I remember that as a kid, and it was like, oh, The Flash is on TV, because you had uh, you had Danny Elfman's soundtrack, and it was kind of like this thing, because Batman had come out in 19, uh, 1989, and you're like, oh, wow, Michael Keaton is I Batman. I remember the TV guide had Michael Keaton's Batman and John Wesley ships, ships Flash, Flash on the same cover. And it was like, and the music was good, and you saw it, and the villains, because uh, they talked about Nightshade, uh, you had uh, Mark, Ham- Mark Hamill's Trickster, which was nice to see again in current flash where they brought him in <laughs> and and it was just awesome to have that and to see Jocelyn, John Wesley Shipp and the thing I really appreciate about the Flowerverse and Greg Berlanti what he does with the production of these programs is the fact that he understands that there are these things that people have done previously and he honors that so John Wesley Shipp is the flash we bring him in um, you also get to kind of see you you also get to see uh, uh, I'm forgetting her name, the do- the head of Mercury Labs. Yep. She was in there. We talked about that moment where they had a last, a last week. Well, one of the great things, too, is there's a, a line in season one that Wells says to Barry the first time that he time travels. He says, whatever tragedy you think you've just avoided, time will find a way to make it way worse. Yeah. So I think we're, that we're going to see that factor of it here. The, the idea of Nora and Henry Allen being alive is great, but it also brings us to the point of the prison scene that we've seen in the Speed Force season one. Now, what I had personally hoped for, if he was going to do Flashpoint, I was hoping he was going to kill the Flash right there, and that would set that up. Flash. Yeah, the reverse Flash. You'd have the trial of the Flash because he killed him. Now, the question is, we've seen that it's Henry Allen on the other side of the phone talking to him. Is it Henry Allen or is it it's Jay Garrick? Yeah, Jay Garrick. Which is a huge thing to, and to I, tie up. I would like to think it'd be, be Jay Garrick. It's like, what did you do? And, it, and Barry trying to probably being emo and be like, oh, I want to do what's best for me. Time has taken so much. I want to take something back. So that idea of it, I mean, the, the possibilities are endless with the whole Flashpoint storyline. It's just, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, you've set up Flashpoint, but you've set up the CW version of Flashpoint, which we have no basis to go off yeah. of. Because it's kind of like how Wolverine 3 is doing Old Man Logan, but it's not yeah. really Old yeah. Man Logan, yeah. because you don't have any of the characters necessary. But, I mean, the writers here, Greg Berlanti and Andrew Kreisberg, know what they're doing. I mean, I have no doubts that the, the, the budget has been increased for Season 3. Mm-hmm. Bring in Supergirl now, bring in all the same writing teams returning. No one departed this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- it's just going to be an amazing setup. It's something that we're truly excited for. But I think it was a rewarding finale. It was an emotional finale. Well, I think it was, it's, it's tragic to me because I feel like we lost all the versions of the characters that we've come to know and love, which I think was really sad because of the way everybody came together for the mm-hmm. finale to stop Zoom. So it's almost like he's losing one family in the hopes of picking up this one that he doesn't know what it's going to be. I mean, there's countless implications for his mom surviving but needless to say i feel like that they wrapped up the season on a strong note whereas arrow kind of flopped for the finale i mean what were your thoughts overall as far as strength of the episode for a finale uh for the flash it was very strong um it was very different because uh the arrow i'm sorry flash tends to be more lighthearted, but this mm-hmm. one was a really heavy episode the last few the last few episodes uh starting with kevin smith have been really really heavy and it's where you get to see Barry morally taxed as a character in terms of like, oh, he's lost the speed forward. I've got the speed forward back. And then 
people are noticing changes in him. It's like, dude, you know, something's up. What's now, one on? thing I will note is that the DC Rebirth, which we're going to start talking about here in a minute, was created basically to align their movie and TV universes a little mm-hmm. bit. So do you think that there's any chance now Flash Rebirth number one comes out in two weeks, so they'll have, it's going twice monthly, so you'll be eight to ten episodes in by the time we start season three of The Flash. Do you think that they start pulling some storylines from that? Yeah, I think they do. Because basically the whole point of Flash Rebirth will be a speed force Jeff Johns wrote it, so... And Jeff Johns knows Flash. I mean, if there's anything that that dude has done, it's Rebirth. It's the Green Lantern Rebirth. It's Flash Rebirth. But uh, Flash Rebirth will basically be a speed force storm strikes Central City and creates dozens of new speedsters as well as a new villain known as Godspeed. Now, that is who I see possibly being a villain on season three or season four. I mean, his costume looks amazing, but he's a super evil speedster. They haven't really said much about him, but... I would also kind of like to see a non-speedster villain. I mean, Mirror Master. Basically, we were... the past two seasons have been dark reflections of Barry with Reverse Flash and Zoom. Mirror Master is the one everybody jumps to. Gorilla City's never going to happen. They've said that they can just not get the budget for that to happen because mm-hmm. it, it's so much VFX Gorilla work, Gorilla. and they don't want to do practical effects with ape suits. So then it's like, what left in the Flash rogue scaler do you really have? I think Mirror Master is absolutely number one that everybody else wants. I also wouldn't mind seeing Cobalt Blue. I think oh, that boy. that would be a really cool villain to have, or even Future Flash as they've done in the New 52 show. And basically what happens is Barry from saving his mom and all this stuff causes a crack in time and the future version of himself who has this awesome blue suit basically has to come back and tries to kill him and and solve all the... Basically, this, he tore the speed force and the future Barry is trying to repair it. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool storyline. I think that there's a lot that they can do there. With Jeff Johns having such a heavy role in the show, I have no doubts that it's going to come through and it's going to deliver. With the cast all coming back, mm-hmm. no one's departed. So, I mean, you leave yourself a lot open, but I just... I'm so trepidation because of who knows what Joe West and Iris are going to be in season three. Who knows what Wells is going to be, what version of Wells that we're going to have. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen with Thawne. The fact that he didn't kill Reverse Flash is going to have an effect. That's going to, it's going to mean something because if Barry's not a speedster, he's going to need the help of speedsters. And that leaves Jay Garrick, possibly Wally and Jesse and the Reverse Flash. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they set it up. I want to change the topic a little bit here, and that is the massive universe rebirth that was DC's rebirth that was released this Wednesday. Robert, I just had you read it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, basically, quick Cliff Notes uh, major revelations in this is that Wally West is back. The original white Wally West exists in a universe with the black Wally West that we have. They're now cousins. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, he's been released from the Speed Force. But I think the biggest jaw dropping quality and the, the biggest twist in this is the fact that Watchmen has been folded into the DC continuity. Mm-hmm. That is huge to me. I hold Watchmen up as one of the greatest graphic novels ever written. It's on the timeless. It's it's renowned as one of the greatest comic storylines ever written. I think the idea of having Dr. Manhattan responsible for the creation of the DC Universe is brilliant because Watchmen ends with him leaving to create a better world. Uh, And the before Watchmen series ends with him creating the spark of the world and taking a watch that we now find out is Wally West's watch. The every second is a gift. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the idea of bringing him in is cool. Superman has been dying and he's being hunted down by a guy that's been known as Dr. Oz and Mm -hmm. the whole past five issues of Superman. It's now been revealed that's Dr. Ozymandias from the Watchmen. It looks like Rorschach has popped up in Justice League number 50. So, I mean, they're not hesitating to bring them into the universe. What are your thoughts on the idea of Watchmen now officially joining DC canon? I like it. I like the characters. Um, I really did like the characters in Watchmen. I think they're great because um, especially when you look at the fact that who they represent, uh, Night Owl is supposed to be Batman. Oh, Night Owl dies at the, at yeah. the end of Justice League 50. So you look at you look at all these characters that they've brought in and Rorschach 
Rorschach's one of my favorite comic book characters ever. 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 You just will, you just like what they do, and I'm interested to see how they do this. I really I'm, I like how when going through it quickly. Um, I forgot how DC's writing is just really good, uh, and it's it's really. Marvel can't even hold compare. Everyone can say that Marvel movies dominate and everything else like that. Yeah, I will give it to Marvel on the film side, but as far as the TV and the comic books, they the, are just the, so the, the, the leaps story, and bounds the, ahead of Marvel. The, the stories that they tell, DC has far better stories that they're able to tell because, again, they hit the points of human nature, the grittiness of Batman. Um, I think it's all due to Jeff Johns, really. Like, he has such clout at DC in both the comic and the TV universe. And this dude has an appreciate. He truly loves these characters. He's not a guy that's just like, oh, yeah, let me just. Like, the the guy that just turned Captain America into a Nazi and made him part of Hydra. That's a dude that doesn't care about the quality of the character, the history of the character. Jeff Johns respects it. And that's one of the things he did with Flash. Flash didn't really have a backstory before Jeff Johns got to him. All the Nora Allen stuff, all that was all created by Jeff Johns. So him having a hand in rebirth and basically overseeing all this new layout. I also like the idea of some of the titles going bi-monthly now. Green Lantern, Flash, Superman, Batman, Justice League. All these big titles are going twice a month now rather than the standard what's a month, which I think allows for more in-depth storytelling. You don't have to space things apart as far. Um, and it allows for more continuity in the shared universe that they're establishing, well, I, which is one of the things DC is really getting back to, is the New 52 kind of lost the intertwined storylines. Mm-hmm. Basically, everything occurred in their own little universe. They had mm-hmm. a couple of crossovers, like Forever evil but this is more of the shared universe the original justice society is back now um and everyone's trying to figure out how this 10 years was stolen by dr manhattan but what are your thoughts on the idea of the more cohesive dc universe i think it's better i I think it's going to be better for the long term because obviously new 52 when they came out the new 52 it wasn't working and, it, and as someone that collected it, I mean, I'm mainly a Flash and Green Lantern are on my pull list. But now with, you know, Justice League with Superman and Batman back in that fold, Swamp Thing and Harley Quinn are now members of the Justice League. Wally West, the Kid Flash version, is a member of the Justice League. But the idea of Superman popping up in Batman books and Green Lantern now popping up in Flash books again, just that idea of these these heroes exist together and need each other's help. Like the biggest thing, Flash just wrapped up the Riddler is mm-hmm. the one that he's fighting right now. And it's, and it's a pretty amazing storyline. But the idea of having these characters back... Um, the idea that they know that there's some big changes. The biggest revelation from Batman was that there's two Jokers. Yeah, three. Uh, three. Three Jokers, Jokers. Three Jokers. I apologize. The biggest revelation from the Superman side of it is that the Lois and Clark version of Superman is alive and well and has been hiding. Lois Lane is now Superwoman. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor has a Superman suit. He's a version of Superman. On a, He's on Apocalypse, right? Yeah, which is it's amazing what they're doing. But I like the idea that they're doing this specifically to line up their TV and movies to have direct storylines to pull, which I think is amazing. Um, the fact that they're bringing in the West as being black and they're bringing in Harrison Wells into the Flash. Mm-hmm. Harrison Wells, that's a big deal because that was an, a character created exclusively for the show. So he's officially made that Harley Quinn jump now yeah, that's a, from the, the TV the, the show retcons, to the comics. You had the retcons from yeah, uh, DC Anime. So Harley Quinn was one. Um, you had uh, Mercy Graves was another one. Livewire was Livewire was another one that they pulled retconned into the. So year. it's a big deal when you can take that jump. Uh, Felicity Smoke was another one from Arrow. She's in the Arrow comics now, mm-hmm. so is Diggle. But I think the Harrison Wells aspect of it is really huge. But what are your thoughts on Wally West being? But he was never my Flash. I've always been a Barry Allen guy. I know there's a whole generation. Anthony was here. If he was here, he'd be vouching for him. I was never a Wally West guy. So well, what are your thoughts? I mean, like the, the most of the things where I've had about Wally, Wally West, and most of my DC experience has been through the uh, just. League TV animated TV show, um, you know the the Bruce the world that Bruce Tim created in the animated universe was great, and so uh, Michael Rosen Rosenblum was the guy who did the. Vo- 
and John Wesley Ship, I actually forgot, voiced the reverse Flash in Bratman Braving the Bolts. Now he's been Barry Allen, Eobard Thawne, and Jay Garrick. So that's yeah. pretty cool. So, but you have you have those characters who you appreciate, and so I Wally West is the only Flash I've kind of known. Uh, and prior to I think it was where Crisis on Infinite Years, where the original Barry Allen died, he picked up the mantle, and uh, it's nice to have this back. And I like the story because it's like you hear Wally talking. It's like I'm trying to reach. He's out. a narrator. He's yeah. a narrator of the entire book. He's like I'm trying to reach out. I'm trying to get to these places. I'm trying to, you know, he talks to he talks to the Teen Titans. And everyone's t- forgotten him. That's the cool part, too. Is that Basically, the whole point of Rebirth is that at the end of Flashpoint, when the universes are melded back together, that's when Dr. Manhattan took advantage and he stole 10 years and then created the new DC continuity. One of the coolest panels, I think, is Batman chipping the comedian's button out mm. of the Batcave, like someone is watching us. But... I love Wally's new costume. That's one thing I will say. You get to see him debut this amazing red costume, which is pretty cool. But I was never a Wally guy, so I'm really not that keen on there being two Wally Wests now. And I'm supposed to try to play the math of who's related to who, how. And well, I mean, the, the idea is, is it's. I don't think. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a name change, so I don't know if Wally, the uh, the current Black Wally West, who's in a. Different, I think is I think Kid Flash the the Kid Black Flash. Wally West is going officially by Kid Flash. Flash he's got yeah. the yellow outfit again. He's mm-hmm. got the high top cut out. So he's going by Kid Flash. The question is, what will Wally call himself? You know, will he go like, Impulse? Will he go you know, something new? A new that we you know, we haven't heard. Will he even go like you know go dark, dark go dark side and go like Inertia or one of those guys? And, and then one of the things I was also excited is that they set up a new Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, who was Power Ring from Earth Two. Finally gets her ring. It's embedded in her eye, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so she's got the lantern symbol in her eye. That's another series that's going twice monthly. They're battling the Red Lanterns and the Sinestro Corps again, mm. which I'm really excited because of the fact that they're bringing those lanterns in. And if they're supposed to align with the TV and movies, that means we might have hope of seeing other lantern cores somewhere in either the TV or movie universe. Well, I'm hoping for that, too. I, I think one of the stories that I've always kind of wanted to see play out, um, especially with the Green Lantern being a huge John Stewart fan, is the fact that we all know uh, that uh, Carol Ferris killed John Stewart's wife mm-hmm. in the comics, and so John Stewart was married to another Green Lantern, Cat Matway. She died. It was a big part of uh, it was a big part of Blackest Night when she showed back up as a Black Lantern. And Blackest Night is by far my favorite storyline ever written. I would kill to see that. If you want like a universe encompassing yeah, movie, like Infinity War style, you, that's Blackest that, Night. That's like one of those things. But it's like, let's say this, let's see that I'm, I'm really hoping that didn't happen right. uh, in, in terms of this one. So who knows? I'll, I'll have to definitely pick it up. When and I'm Green sorry. Lantern, it's got shocking moments, some stuff that I'm, I really hope we'll see on screen. But the, the fact that Kyle Rayner has been added into the Green Lantern movie, I wonder if we'll ever see The Fridge. It's one of the most infamous comic book moments. This is coming home to find his girlfriend dead stuff in the refrigerator. Yeah. So that's really cool. But the idea of Rebirth, I really like it. As, uh, as someone that felt the new 52 storylines fell off a little bit, mm-hmm. I don't feel like that there was as much investment and the characters, it seems like the teams that have been assigned to writing their individual titles are people with a lot of clout. I mean, the bring, you bring bringing back Snyder, Scott Snyder's back, Capullo's back on Batman. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have uh, Ivan Reese and Jeff Johns back on Green Lantern. And Flash. The fact that Jeff Johns is back on Green Lantern and Flash is huge. Yes. Like, when he departed Green Lantern, it fell off big time for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that took over Vendetti, I didn't really like his take on the characters at all. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel about the Countdown series? I liked it. I was a fan of... 
of Final Crisis because of the fact that it brought back Barry Allen and, mm. and the ties of that. So I like weekly comics. I love having a reason to go to the comic shop every week. So that aspect of it I thought was really cool. And it was the first time I'd really seen a weekly comic like that that had had a continuity story. I mean, it was 52 straight weeks of a new comic every week and a new character every week and how they were going to fold into the overall storyline. Mm-hmm. So I was a huge fan. What were your thoughts? Uh, well, again, not going through the entire thing, just I have, I have friends who kind of let me borrow the books and I kind of skim through them very quickly. I thought it was a good premise and it was, again, uh, reminded me how DC writes good stories, but the continuity that they have, you know, I, I definitely like what I read in Rebirth. I just, it's just, it, it's putting everything together. Well, Final Crisis, the reason why I hold it up is because it has two great moments as far as, like, my favorite comic And that's the return of Barry Allen, mm-hmm. who is my Flash. And then it also, at the very end of it, sets up my favorite Batman miniseries, which is the return of Bruce Wayne. Basically, Bruce Wayne yeah. gets shot back in time. And there's a six-issue miniseries where he has to work his way back. And each issue is him in a different time period mm. trying to get back to the past as Batman. So I was a huge fan of it on that aspect of it. I think... What they're doing now, though, is far more encompassing. The fact that now DC has always been a trendsetter in my mind as far as the weekly comics, the full universe crossovers, things like that. I don't like the new logo, though. I will say that much. I don't like them reverting back to the more classic logo, but that's a, a tiny thing to nitpick. But I think the fact that you have Jeff Johns overseeing your TV and your comic book universes, mm-hmm. there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason that they've realigned everything the way they have. Marvel who can't seem to get it together comic book-wise, just did a relaunch probably three months ago, yeah. and have just announced now in September they're relaunching everything again. So that'll be Marvel's fourth relaunch, relaunch in the past of, three years. Oh, I would say even close, more I mean, that. DC, they've done their reboot, but everyone says, like, oh, this is not a reboot. First of all, this is not a reboot. This is just a new continuity of storyline. But the other thing with the new 52, it did what it was. All the issues wrapped up at 52. It was supposed to be a new set of 52. Like, this what we have now. The Rebirth universe mm-hmm. is going to be two years. They said that this storyline will play out over the course of two years, and then at the end of that two years, it won't be a reboot. It'll just be the intro. Like, Rebirth will wrap up introducing a new villain, a new storyline, and that's how they'll go from there. They're done doing the reboots. They're like, this is our... Mm-hmm. Characters for the foreseeable future. So that's what I really like—the fact that they're locking into these characters, these storylines. As they should, as they should. You, we brought up earlier that uh, again, Marvel has like Marvel has done this really good in the cinematic universe. Their comics have not been good, but I think that's more along the lines that Marvel's been focusing on the cinematic side. So we've talked about the lack of. Uh, we've talked about the lack of Fantastic Four or X titles. And the fact that they just phase them out completely, it whereas DC does everything they can to fold everyone in, in. Even the most B-list Teen Titans now. The Teen Titans are back. Like yeah. it's, it's amazing what they're doing. I'm really excited about it. But I love the fact that we're getting twice-monthly comics. We're getting the Watchmen folded in. It just seems like that there's a lot of hope in this one issue, which is the one thing. I've not read any bad reviews on this issue, mm-hmm. and Jeff Johns actually put out a money-back guarantee of his own money. He said, if you didn't like this issue, mail it to him. He'll cover the postage and the comic. All right. So let me ask you a question because there's one character in there that I think I've, we've talked about. Was Zealot one of the ones that they had? He wasn't. Um, which is, I was a little confused to see that aspect of the character. So because I was like, wait a second. I just because I'm for those who don't know, Zealot was an image comic that turned into Wildstorm, which is now part of DC's universe. But I was like, is that character it was a woman in all in red and white hair had the markings, looked like Zealot. I wasn't sure. 
Yeah, I'm not sure on that one either. So that one I'd have to check in. One thing I really like, though, is the fact that Rorschach has kind of been tailing everybody. It looks like in the DC Universe. There's a, a scene in Justice League 50 where it just kind of shows him in the background at certain moments, like mm-hmm. as the redheaded Rorschach, not in the mask and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see how that ties in. Now, with the introduction of Watchmen to the DC Universe, do you ever think that they make the leap to film or TV? Um, not with that film. That the Watchmen movie, I really, really enjoyed. I and that's the thing is it's universal. I have the four hour direct. I don't know if you've ever seen the four hour cut. I've not seen the four. The hour four cut. hour cut is amazing. It's got the original Watchmen ending, the the squid ending, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But I think for what that movie was, which was a take on a graphic novel and the way that they changed the ending, but I thought it was an amazing superhero movie. Like I hold that up in my top ten of superhero mm-hmm. movies of all time, but. The characters of Dr. Manhattan and the Rorschach are so rich, and you have so much to do with them. And the idea of Dr. Manhattan, they've said he's not a villain, he's an antagonist. But now you have this new omnipresent hero of, like, how do you stop him? Like, really, who is on the level of Dr. Manhattan? Because of the fact that we have no one to compare him to. Watchmen was always this separate thing, and there was always the, oh, what would Dr. Manhattan and Superman fight be like? And now the fact that Dr. Manhattan is this integral figure in the DC universe, there's going to be a fight at some point. I mean, you know it's going to set up that. So, I mean, I'm interested. The possibilities, that's the one thing that you take away from this issue, if anything else, is that the possibilities are endless for what they can do with the DC universe now. And it really seems like they're buckling down and they're more invested in the characters than I've seen in years, which is something that truthfully excites me. As someone that collects the monthly issues, like I think the last issue before New 52 got up to 63 of mm-hmm. each Flash and, and Green Lantern, and it, they were really strong volumes. But mm-hmm. I'm excited. I mean, the idea of continued continuity, the idea of returning characters, the Watchmen folded in, the new writers being back, going twice monthly, tying in with your TV. I mean, it's just win, 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 win. I can't think of anything that I would tag this issue for. Again, DC has been really good about their television, outside of the cinematic, cinema stuff. They've been really good about their television. They write really good stories in their comics. I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be a win and why, you know, why going forward that we will be at least... I know I'll certainly be reading a lot more DC stuff uh, when I, you know, download a uh, comicsology or go to the store and pull it. So needless to say, I mean, I think we're huge fans of Rebirth. Get out, buy it now. I mean, it's been selling out everywhere. It's one of the top-selling comics. So definitely check it out, uh, Rebirth. That's going to spin us a little bit into a different direction, and that is Game of Thrones, which we did not get to talk last week. Game of Thrones has introduced time travel, my friend, which is my favorite thing ever made in the history of ever. But I don't know how I feel about time travel peanut butter and my Game of Thrones chocolate, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. I'm cool with time travel in a show if it's baked into it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, Lost is essentially about time travel. Flash forwards, flashbacks, things like that. The Flash, even though he's a guy that really runs fast, you have that establishment of time travel from the pilot. You know what I mean? So the idea that we've gone six seasons of Game of Thrones and now you fold in this time travel aspect of it, what are your thoughts on it? I like the way that it was used, but how do you see them using it going forward with the fact that the past can influence the present and the future and vice versa? There's a theory going around the Internet that uh, what you're seeing is the the turn of events that we're seeing in things that Bran, Bran an older, older version of Bran, is doing things to change the past, which is affecting some of the plot lines in this one. Now, obviously, this episode was big because we lost Hodor, unfortunately. Hold the people. door. And... A character that was beloved by all that truthfully had no agenda. I mean, the only whole thing. Now, there's two theories that I've heard running around about what happened to Hodor. And I want to see which one you think of. So the one that I've heard that I believe more than the other is that 
what caused Hodor's brain to melt and turn him into Hodor was Bran warging into the past version of him rather than the present version of him. Which would explain, like, oh, because you're, you're messing with the past and that. The idea of it that I really like, though, is that rather than warring into him, is that past Hodor, Willis, saw his death and holding the door there, and that melted mm. him. So this dude has known the entire time. Because think about it, he was always jumpy around lightning and things like that. So what if he's known the entire time that this was how he was going to die, and that's what caused, like, the massive stroke? And seeing your own death would mess you up. Yeah, it would mess you up. It certainly would, is that entire scene now. Again, this is the TV and not the, the not the books. Hodor is still well alive as far as dances and well, dragons. And um, no, and George R. R. Martin has said in the next book the, that's where the Hodor twist happened. That's for, the Hodor okay. twist is straight from the mouth of George R. R. Martin. Okay. Basically, they sat him down in a hotel room a year ago and they said, in case you die, and in case the books don't come out, we need some big revelations. And apparently, he gave them three huge twists. Uh, the first one was Stannis Baratheon burning his daughter to the Lord of Light. The mm. second one was the Hodor twist, which apparently the revelation of it happened slightly different in the book, mm. and then the third one will be the series ending twist will be some big twist but the idea of time travel being so significant now is really cool but one aspect of the show in this week that i feel like they just completely glanced over is the origin of the white walkers which yeah. i think was pretty oh, freaking cool yeah 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 it's the children of the forest, forest basically are fighting the men as men start to invade this world and they create the white walkers, walkers. by stuffing a dragon glass blade into the heart of this dude which also explains why dragon glass oh, can destroy them, them. Yeah. i still don't get how valerian steel can destroy them i, I hope that they bring that in at some point yeah that's the there's the dragon glass valerian steel and uh again book related stuff maybe that they've always hinted that the the house, the sword of the morning, uh, sword of the morning, is the Dane sword from House Dane might also have the ability to destroy these things. Yeah, that was a little bit. That was kind of they kind of glossed over. It was like it was like, wait a second, you created them, and you're like. <laughs> And there was a moment of hypocrisy, too, that I saw in this, and that's the whole Iron Islands bit, where they're like, oh, we're going to claim the throne, and Theon relinquishes it to his sister, and then Euron comes in and pitches his whole speech. And then, first of all, I love the ceremony to become the Sulka. They basically just fucking drown you, and they say, okay, well, if you survive, you're the king. <laughs> There's no CPR or anything like that. But what killed me is I found a huge plot hole, is everybody sides with Euron after he gives his whole speech about how he's going to marry Daenerys and, and claim the world. But then at the very end, Theon and the sister take off with almost the whole army. It's like, had you dudes stood up for her on land, they would have just been like, oh yeah, she's the queen, and it would have moved on from there. Yeah. Um, that I like the, what they're doing this one because it is different than the book. Uh, the King's Moot was a really great scene uh, in the original one because there's another brother, uh, Greyjoy brother, the Victorian, which they don't talk about the entire time. Um, so I like the guy who actually, I like the actor who plays Euron Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was great because you signed him Lucy. He's actually going to be in the Ghost in the Shell movie with uh, Scarlett Johansson that come when that comes out, uh, playing Bateau, which uh, looking forward to, although you can talk about the whitewashing stuff later. But um, I just I enjoyed that scene. I do agree with you in terms of, you know, how it played out. Uh because we don't know. I, I don't know where they're going to go. And one thing that I think was cool is actually the episode before, but even showing Daenerys Targaryen when she burns down the temple, the fact that she's fireproof, like yeah. showing that power again, I thought was really cool. Yeah, that but was great. Now, do you, the, the way that I would love to see this series end, and tell me what your thoughts on it, especially if the whole R plus L equals J thing, do you think Daenerys and Jon Snow rule the Iron Islands at the end of this series? Did they rule the Westeros? Yeah, I, rule Westeros. Did they take the Iron Throne together? I think so. I think that's um, ideally I, how I would see the setup. In my heart of hearts, I'm not an R plus L equals J person. Um, 
because there's just, I know that it just seems too obvious. Well, I just don't see any. Well, I think it, it, I buy it because of the fact that I didn't know that the R was Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah. So that would nicely tie in the whole Jon Snow Targaryen rule thing. So that aspect of it is cool, but I don't see the series ending without Daenerys at least taking the Iron Throne. No, I don't, I don't, I don't see that either, but I think the, the idea is for me, when I've always looked at Jon Snow's character, he's meant to be this, he's, he's meant to be this kind of defender of the North. Right. And a lot of things were... And how amazing was it to see, first of all, Sansa had her best episode ever. ever. Dude, when she confronts Littlefinger, like the whole, did you know? Tell me what he did to Mm -hmm. me. Like that, seeing Sansa step up and have both, but then seeing her and Jon like suit up, she makes them the wolf clothing and things like that. And the fact that they're like going to go take back the North got me pumped because the Starks have been fucked with, screwed with, sorry, so much throughout this series. And... Think about it. Sansa hadn't seen John for five years. years. Well, at least as far as we don't know how what the time frame is in, in the show. show. As far as we know. As far as we know. It's been five seasons or at least it's been five seasons since they've been on screen together. And so when we talk about two weeks ago, that was the scene for me where it was like, finally, you could kind of see that moment where forces are starting to rally. You see Daenerys starting to rally. Uh, and so one of the things I'm seeing, you're seeing a lot of people getting killed off. Like Hodar, right. we saw Osher the previous week, uh, which was the protector of Rickon. Who a couple a, of the children of the forest bit it this week as well. You know, bit it this week, and we've been seeing so many people get killed off. And you're and you're you know like why are you killing off these parries? Because they're they're gathering the core group together probably to get these next two seasons under their belt. Well, that's the thing is they say it's going to go probably two more seasons. That's yeah. it. The other thing I didn't buy in this episode was the Arya arc of her supposing to kill the actress and then, oh, what has she done wrong? This and that. If I had to watch a play about the brutal murder of my father and they played him off to be this dumb fucking this dumb idiot guy, played your sister off to be a whore and this and that, I would want to kill the whole cast, let alone yeah. just this one woman. But I think that they need to jump into her faceless training a little bit more because if I'm wrong, in the book, she's a pretty powerful face changer. Am I wrong? Well, and she it, was blind for a lot longer. She was she was certainly blind, at least for the excerpts that George R. Martin has given out. She was blinded in the Dances with Dragons. Um, it helped her get her senses, you know, in terms of fighting, because she now she now hears better. It increased her hearing, her senses. Does of- she ever reclaim needle, or is that just fan things? Well, no, I think she is going to reclaim it. I, the idea is, I think she's going to return as Arya Stark at some point in time. The idea is when is that going to happen in the books? It's probably going to happen sooner in the TV show than it's going to happen in uh, than you're going to see in the books. I just feel like you're at this point where there's so many cool aspects of the show that aren't folded in the main plot. The idea of the faceless men should be a huge, huge plot point. The fact that these dudes can just assassinate uh, tons of different people. Well, that's the idea. So, again, book in in the book when uh, the great uh, Theon's I'm forgetting his name. You're on great now. The great joy father just dies mysteriously falling off the bridge. You're assuming it's in the story, in the TV show, they say it's Euron that did it, but nobody knows. And it was because Euron had just miraculously within two days sailed in to Pike and then redid it. It reclaimed, you know, said King's mood. I show up. Here's who I am. And the show. Yeah. It's a little weak because it was assumed that in the book, it was a faceless, faceless man that did it. Euron paid him off. And the other thing is that I don't buy is the White Walker aspect and the dragon. First of all, the White Walkers, apparently, what I was wrong is everyone's thought of this White Walker army. It's really not a White Walker army. From what I can tell, it's maybe five to ten White Walkers and then their army of the undead because only the White Walkers were actually able to enter with the, the castle with Brent with the fire. The other aspect that I don't buy is the whole dragon thing. For what they've hyped up with, oh, dragons haven't been seen in hundreds of years and the last ones were the size of dogs and this and that, and they've relegated them now to being chained up 
in a basement, basically. So the huge, powerful creatures that everyone knows, the queen of dragons and the mother of dragons, have been relegated to house pets at this point. House pets at this point. But I think that's, I think, uh, as we know, when we talked about the budget, you can't always use that CG. So they've had to, you know, when they need to use the dragons, they will use the dragons. Um, and so probably when we're looking for when we look at what they talk about, because the next two seasons are supposed to be shorter in length, it's probably because they're probably going to be using some of that money that they're going to be saving for the dragons, for the dragons and the, dragons like and the CG budget. The other thing I thought was cool was meeting a new red woman yes. with Tyrion and Varys, and I thought that was really cool. Asian chick, which is definitely good looking, but the fact that she knew so much about Varys and the night he was castrated and this and that was yeah. pretty cool. But the idea that there's more of these women out there, yeah. Well, I, think I mean, is really they've cool. always made they've always made that there was a uh, there was a character last season that made that there was a character in the books that there's the the Red Priest of Relore is everywhere. And they and it's you every time you hear it, it's a different aspect, but they're telling the same story. And so what you see with Melisandre at the wall is she thinks it's Jon Snow. She originally thought it was Stannis, but it was Jon Snow. Uh, well, this red woman says it's Daenerys is the yeah, one. Yeah, it's Daenerys. Like it's Daenerys. And so again, it's this these these different characters are seeing it. You know, seeing the same prophecy differently. But for the same reasons. And it's interesting. And I want to see where that goes. One of the things I really like about this season is they have just picked up from the get-go. There's no Walking Dead leave you hanging for six episodes crap. There's no, no. in previous seasons where it doesn't get good till episode seven and then the yeah. last three finish strong. I mean, they have launched into it from the get-go yeah. here. I mean, we're at episode four. I think that no, last week that was, was four. Uh, no, this or was is, it five? This is episode five. So we're halfway through the season at this yeah, point. we're halfway through the season. I mean, and it's going strong. I think that they're going to finish off on a strong note. So I think, I mean, last notes on Game of Thrones, if there's anything else that you can think of real no, quick. I'm, I'm no, for, I'm looking forward because I'm like, we're, you know, there are already five episodes in. You're probably going to have a big set piece battle with uh, the Battle for the North. But after that, I'm like, where do you go? And you're someone obviously that's read the books, so you're at that point now where you're in limbo, where he could, they can just. Did you? I mean, I've I've gone through all of them, including the uh, the history of Ice and Fire, which was just kind of this. Uh where they kind of explain the world that he's created. So, I mean, it's amazing what they're doing with the show. I mean, I think that the season is definitely not going to disappoint. We know it's been renewed for season seven and eight. So definitely check out this week's episode. I mean, the hold the door memes are killing me. I've seen them everywhere. Ikea is even selling the little hold door door stoppers now. Yeah. I think it's, it's crazy. But I was just sad to see that character go because it's like certain characters on this show deserve to die. And it's like that was just one dude that never had an agenda, never heard anybody well, who was just there to help. Uh, again, you, it, you know, and final thing, you're starting to see the forces rally. And so whatever happens in the North, at least with Sansa and John, They Johnson, definitely are setting in motion like setting, the finale like, You're going to say, say like, okay, we're going to set this up now so that two seasons from now it's all going to make sense. Uh, so we're seeing Littlefinger feeling a little bit remorseful. We're seeing Sansa become a stronger character, which is great because they're also having these strong women characters. Absolutely. With Daenerys. Uh, uh, I, I have to say the Tormund Giant Spain and uh, Brienne of Tarth. Brienne of Tarth. I love it. That, that, I like that the ship, meme that never the, ends. The, 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 the shipping, it's just like she keeps looking at it. It's like, what a woman. It's like, yeah, she's like, who is this idiot who keeps looking? So definitely Game of Thrones this week did not disappoint. Huge fans. Just want to let you know as far as the trailer talk segment goes, the new Independence Day trailer, a new Ninja Turtles trailer, both drop. Both look great, so stay tuned for our reviews here. And then Monday we will be putting up our first Nerd Herder exclusive 
exclusive segment, which will be our review of X-Men Apocalypse, which we will be seeing tonight in luscious 3D. So stay tuned for all of that and more. This week's episode, a little bit shorter with the absence of Anthony, and we really wanted to cover Rebirth and Flash in depth. So definitely, as always, be sure to check us out on Nerdorama Network, on Nerd Herder, on YouTube, on Facebook, and now on SoundCloud and iTunes. Oh, and also, you can also check us out on, for those Android users... Google Play. You can find the BevCam podcast. Where can't you find us? That's a shorter list. (laughs) It's like, you know, you can't find us on Stitcher and some of the other ones. Well, we've got a dedicated fan base now, and we do want to thank you guys out there that are listening every week. I mean, we're getting some great new traffic sources. Do want to give a quick shout-out to Finland. For some reason, Finland has been one of our big audiences on the YouTube page. Literally, like, 70% of our views have been coming from Finland. Don't know why. And women want to give a shout-out to the ladies. 18 to 40 are one of our biggest demographics on YouTube. Which, I don't know, maybe we'll start gearing a little bit more segment toward the ladies since you're out there listening, obviously. But uh, as always, check out all our great links. We'll be bringing you some new exclusive reviews and segments for Nerd Herder and a couple of the other sites that have picked us up. Uh, So for this week's episode of Get Your Geek On, I'm your host, Charles Kiewatz. I'm Robert Dokes. And we will see you guys at the movies. Have a great week.